Have you ever asked yourself either of the following two questions? Have you ever asked yourself the question, what is the point? What is the point? Have you ever asked yourself the question, why should I bother? What is the point and why should I bother? Maybe you've hit that terrible age of 40 and 50. Um, I'm nearly 40, so I can call it a terrible age. Um, Maybe you've hit that time of your life, 40s, 50s. Maybe you're even a bit younger. Younger people ask that question more and more these days, don't they? What's the point? Why should I bother? Um, It used to be predominantly young men that asked that question, but now more and more young girls are falling into that pit of damn depression and asking those two questions. What is the point? Why should I bother? Maybe you've looked at your life, you've re-evaluated all the hours you've spent doing the same old activities, your role, your job, whatever it might be, and wondered, what is the point of it all? If I never did this again, would anybody notice? Would it matter? Or maybe you've had that feeling since you were a young person, that you're built for something more, that you're built for something great, if I can use that word. You're built for something that will make a bigger impact in this world of ours. That you're consumed with the thought that there are 7 billion people on the planet and somehow you had a mission to do something with all of their lives, impacting the whole globe. But now you're older and you have that nagging sense of missed opportunities. You feel like you're yesterday's man or woman rather than today or tomorrow's. And you feel now, why should I bother? I've failed. I've messed it all up. If you're asking either of those questions this morning, on the one hand, you're in kind of a dangerous place. Because if you're asking the question, what's the point and why should I bother? And that means things aren't right in your life. Things aren't balanced. Things aren't as they should be. But it also means that you actually could be in a great place. A place where you could make real changes to your life, to your routine, to your priorities. Changes that God could really bless really anoint that you could be used to do those things that you've been thinking about for such a long time. I want to think this morning about those two questions, but we're looking really at two words that sum those two questions up. The first word is purpose, and the other word next to it is function. I don't know, I don't think they're appearing on the screen, but it doesn't matter if they can't. Purpose, well actually it'd be quite nice, possible to type them, put them on the screen, sorry. Um, purpose and function. The word function simply means and refers to the things that you do with your time, the stuff that you do when you're awake. Um, Going to work is a function. Driving the kids to football every five seconds is a function of your life. Your responsibilities, things that you do at church, the tea and coffee rotor, Zone, Haley, Open Door, Excite, etc., etc. Our jobs, where we earn our money perhaps, Those are your functions in life. These are the activities that we fill our days and our nights with. Purpose is not what you do, but the motive or the reason for why you do it. Purpose and function. What you do and why you do it. And we'll look at these two words, um, purpose and function, what you do and why you do it, because I believe that if we think about these two things, it will help our understanding of why there's such a lack of contentment and joy in people's lives and how actually we can all understand how we can have fuller lives and a fuller experience of God because there are a lot of people aren't there who are desperately unhappy there are a lot of people who look at their lives and who on the surface have it all and yet still ask that question why what is the point and why should I bother on the surface we say you've got everything why are you unhappy but something hasn't quite clicked something hasn't quite 
worked out. Maybe this morning you constantly ask that question. What's the point? Why should I bother? Maybe three o'clock in the morning when you go to the toilet, you look out the window and you think, really? I'm just going to be dead in 50 years. Who cares? Maybe you're consumed with that question. I know that because just occasionally those strange thoughts come into my mind. That's why I don't drink past six o'clock so I can sleep all the way through the night. (laughs) What's the point? Why should I bother? Well, I think there are three, at least three reasons why you might ask one of those two questions this morning. And they're to do with these two words, function and purpose. Remember, function is what you do. Purpose is why you do it. The first reason why you might ask one of those two questions is because you have function but without purpose. The second reason you might ask that question, those questions is because you have purpose, but you don't live it out. And the third reason you might ask those two questions is you simply have the wrong purpose being expressed through your actions, through your function of your life. Have I said the word function and purpose enough? Good. I'll keep saying it. Function's what you do. Purpose is why you do it. Activities and motivation. And the point is that true joy, true contentment, I believe, is only possible when a person has these two words understood correctly and when those two things are perfectly in sync. So let me just go through those three reasons why you might ask those two questions. Function without purpose, first of all. Let me tell you a story about hot dogs. That's always a good way to go, isn't it? Um, Everyone loves hot dogs, except Charlotte Stride, who likes cucumbers. She was here last week. Um, There was an older man who'd been serving at the church youth group for 20 years. For 20 years, he went every Friday, and he had one job. His one job was to cook hot dogs for the teenagers. That was his job. That was his function at the youth club. That was his action at the youth club. And he went every week religiously, like clockwork, and he cooked those hot dogs to the best of his ability, and he gave them out to every single young person the way he'd done for 20 years. Then one day, they employed another youth worker. And he came with a radical idea. He decided that young people, as I now call them now, I'm nearly 40, um, no longer ate hot dogs. They preferred pizza. It's not a big thing, is it, really? And so he told the people that helped at the youth club, we're not going to do hot dogs anymore, we're doing pizza. Well, this poor man who'd been doing this job for 20 years completely flipped out on them all, shouted at them, stomped his feet, how dare you, like that. Why? Well, in a sense, he was asking, what's the point? What's the point of pizza? What's the point of changing it? What's the point? He was asking that question because although he had a function, although he had an action that he lived out religiously for 20 years, he had lost sight of his purpose. He had lost sight of the motivation for making hot dogs on a Friday night. It wasn't because hot dogs were the most important thing on the planet. He made hot dogs he'd forgotten to connect, engage, and allow the young people that came on a Friday night to feel comfortable and at home and engaged. And that's a really valuable lesson this morning, isn't it? Isn't that a really valuable lesson that sometimes we can do the same old thing for years and years and years, and it's church things, it's things at home, it's things in our marriages, it's things at work, and we can do the same actions. And if we don't know why we do it, we don't have a healthy respect for the purpose behind our function, we will all become discouraged and bitter and downhearted. That's a fact. If you just do the same old thing for years without knowing why it matters that you're doing it, then you will hate change and you will resent your routine eventually. James chapter 2 is our um, passage this morning. If you've got it open, uh, that would be great. 
James chapter 2, of course, is a very well-known chapter in this book. And uh, James is writing uh, to lots of Christians, spread across a whole wide area. And he talks about faith and deeds. And in a sense, although he's talking about faith being expressed through action, it's not dissimilar to the point I'm making. He's talking about the purpose, the faith, being expressed through deeds. And, uh, And he talks about this idea that you need both to be content and happy. And in verse 28 and 26 of James chapter 2, he says this. He says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. And in verse 26, he says this. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. For the record, that's why going to church won't make you a Christian or get you into heaven when you die. Because deeds don't save you. Faith in Christ saves you. So it doesn't matter how many times you come on a Sunday morning if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't ask him to forgive your sin and cleanse your life and redeem you and save you by his cross, his blood and his resurrection from the grave, then your eternity is still in massive danger. Hell is your eternity, not heaven. Church had never saved anyone. So if you think when you get to the pearly gates, God's going to say 100% attendance like Leventhorpe do, nice one, come in. He won't. God only cares whether you knew his son. Church is your expression of that faith, not the faith itself. But James, but we're going to take this principle and apply it to these two words, function and purpose. And the point really is being made that without a healthy dose and understanding of purpose, function is dead. And isn't that why many people go unfulfilled in their lives? Isn't that why lots of people are downhearted? Isn't that why lots of church ministries fold? Because we do the same old thing. We look at the hours we put in. We look at the sweat that we expel. The effort that we expend. And we say, why am I bothering? What's the point? Because we've stopped, never stopped to know what the point is. We just do the action, the function without the purpose. You want to be like the NASA toilet cleaner. I'm about to tell you about. If there's ever a person on planet Earth for you to be inspired by, it's the guy that cleans toilets for NASA. He was asked once, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a part of a team of people that put men on the moon. So I said, wow. So what does that day involve? He said, I get the sift cream and the toilet brush and I clean the toilets. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, yeah, but if the toilets aren't clean... Then they have to go somewhere else. They have to walk longer. Everyone's stressed out. And that affects the space program. What's wrong with that? Brilliant. He understood that his wider purpose was putting men on the moon. So what seems like an unimportant function, because it was coupled with a decent understanding of purpose, he he rocked up to work every day. And instead of saying, what's the point? He would say, This is what I'm for. This is what I am for. A question becomes a statement. Function needs purpose. In the context of church, maybe you help every week at Open Door. Maybe you help every week at Excite. Or maybe you feel like you help every week at Excite. I understand the feeling. Maybe you help regularly at Haley or Highfields or every other week at Zone, getting there early, moving chairs, staying till 10 o'clock on a Friday night when all your other friends are out having fun and you're stuck at church with a thousand young people. That's what it feels like. And it's easy to look at those things and think, oh, I can't be bothered. What's the point? Why am I bothering? If you just do the function without knowing the purpose, 
then yeah, what's the point is the question to say, the thing to ask. But why do we do those things as church? Do we not do them because we want to save their soul? We want to give them the hope of heaven and forgiveness for their sin. Every time you drag a chair out of that hallway into here or you move a cup from the kitchen to the thing and back up and back down and back up and fill those little glass dishes that we have with sugar, every time you do that, you shouldn't think, oh, another job at church. What you should think is, hallelujah, because every single time I move a chair, I'm working for the king of kings. Every chair moved is a brick in the kingdom that God is building, that Jesus Christ gave his life to sanctify and start. Everything is a seed being planted. I am serving God when I move that chair. When I mop up after wet play or open door, I feel your pain. Every single time you do it, I'm mopping up this for the king of kings. This is for the kingdom. This all matters. Just because you're not up here doesn't mean that you're not serving the king. And I get it with excite on a Sunday morning, or they used to call it Sunday school. It's traditionally the least popular job. When you say, who wants to help with Sunday school or excite, everyone does that. Because <laughs> no one really wants to do it. I want to come to church, I want to worship, I don't want to be out there all the time. But what are we doing over there in that other building? Are we babysitting? No, of course we're not. We're building another generation of followers of Jesus Christ, whom God will use to change the world. That is the purpose of that particular function. Yesterday, we had our, our stall outside the church, having been asked by the town council. And some of you will have seen my emails during the week, desperate for someone to dress up as Wally. I wasn't around, otherwise I promise you I would have done it. Um, Chris Cook, bless him, and Michael Godwin, um, where he is, um, all, oh, there you are, sorry, um, both volunteered to be Wally for us as a church. And um, why was I so desperate that we would have a stall for this town council town walk? Simply because our purpose is to connect with our town. That's our third C, to connect with our town. So everything matters. Everything builds a relationship. Everything gets our church in more of a rapport with our local community. When we know our purpose for our actions, that statement, that question, what is the point, becomes a statement. What a joy to do this. And maybe this morning, all you need simply to do is remind yourself of why you do what you do. Maybe you're a parent and you drive your kids everywhere. The reason you do it is because you're creating tomorrow's adults. And that's an amazing job. You're doing a good job. And you should keep doing it. And you shouldn't feel like wasting your life. Your life isn't going by the side. You're investing your life in theirs so they can invest their lives in the rest of the world and hopefully in God's kingdom if you share your faith with them at the same time. Or maybe this morning you need to stop and think, actually, why am I doing what I'm doing? Maybe you've been doing the same thing for years simply because everyone else does it. Maybe your purpose is wrong. Maybe some of you here this morning have to make tough decisions. Maybe you've got to give something up. It might be a financial thing you've got to give up. It might be a job change because you know the purpose that you're doing it for is wrong. And maybe God has been saying that to you and you've been ignoring it because it's a tough thing to do. My second cousin once removes husband. That's right. Um, we like that. Um, he worked for a big advertising company and they advertised all sorts of things and, uh, and they advertised women's underwear at one point and he felt really uncomfortable as a Christian. I remember him saying to me, I feel really uncomfortable and he said, actually, this company is quite immoral the way they make their money and I feel really uncomfortable with it. Um, and next time I saw him, he said to me, I've decided I'm going to jack it all in. I quit. I'm going to quit. I'm taking a massive pay cut and I'm working for a charity. That was his challenge. That was what he did and he gave it all up. He changed his purpose for his function. 
You don't want to be like the two men that were seen walking down the high street one day. Both had shovels, one dug a hole, dug, dug a hole even, and uh, both looked at it like that, as workmen do. Then the other one filled it up. Then they walked along, one dug a hole, they looked at it, the other one filled, 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 yeah, filled it up. And then uh, a guy stopped them and said, what's wrong with you guys? What are you doing? Why one are you digging a hole and the other one filling it up? And they said, well, the guy that plants the tree is off sick. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you don't want to be just doing something because you've always done it. You want to do it because you know why you're doing it. That's point number one. Second reason people feel um, lost is because they have unactioned purpose. If function needs purpose, then purpose needs function. You need, uh, uh, your motive, uh, your passion needs to be expressed through action. I remember being a, a, in my late teens, early 20s, and I don't know if you'll like it, if you remember similar things you're, when you were younger as well. I remember looking off, gazing off into my future when I get to this age and having this kind of feeling that I was going to impact the globe. I just felt that I was going to do really big things for God and impact the world I lived in. And I had this really sort of doughy-eyed, Hollywood, rose-tinted view of my future. This stirring in my heart that I I could change the world. And I remember feeling excited about it. But that's not enough, is it? It's not enough just to have a feeling of purpose. I had to do something about it. And so God called me into youth ministry and then church ministry. And that's particularly how God's expressing that desire in my heart through action at the moment. It may change. It may be something completely different. I may find myself stacking shelves at Tesco's in 10 years' time. That's okay. Because my purpose is to change the world, and that's what God calls me to do to do it. Then I'll stack shelves for the rest of my life. But purpose needs action. Purpose needs function. Proverbs um, chapter 13, verse 2, which I'm going to turn around and read because I haven't actually put it in here, says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Of course, that kind of covers lots of things, that verse. But I wonder if it means a bit of what we're talking about this morning. That If you have that stirring in your heart, that passion to do something for God, and you do nothing with it, you will be sick in the heart. How many people get to 40, 50, 60 and think, what could have been? What could I have been if I'd just done that thing God had put in my heart, that stirring in my heart? Back to James chapter 2. Um, verse 14 to 17, James again comes in with some really great, great things for us to think about this morning. He says, in the same way, faith, purpose for us this morning, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith by your deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's God? Even the demons believe that and shudder. In other words, it's not enough just to have a sense of purpose. You've got to turn it into action. Then verse 18, that's really the key verse, isn't it? Um, There, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. And isn't it true that real joy and contentment can only really come when what we're called to be, our purpose, is expressed in action? In Philippians, in Philippians chapter 4, Verse 11 to 13, Paul says this to the church in Philippi. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything 
through him who gives me strength. He served Jesus Christ, sometimes in prison, sometimes in comfort, but because he knew his purpose and he expressed that through his actions, he knew real contentment. When Jesus was asked to sum up the Old Testament law in one command, what did he say? He didn't say, go to the temple on a Tuesday or sacrifice you know, three times a week. That's not summing up the whole law. He summed up the whole law by stating its purpose. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Then he goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. Because our actions without a purpose are hollow and become empty and pointless. That's why God says in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. An acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings because action without purpose is pointless and dead like faith without deeds. When you know your true purpose and you express it in action, that question, why do I bother, becomes completely transformed to another statement. This is why I am here. When you know what God has put you on the earth for, and what are we on the earth for? I'll tell you what God put me on the earth for to transform the lives of 7 billion people. That's what I'm on the planet for. What are you on the planet for? I'm on the planet to save the souls of 7 billion people. That's my purpose. You might think that's ridiculous. You might even think it's arrogant. It's not arrogant at all because it was given to me by Jesus Christ before he ascended to heaven. That's my purpose. So every time I wipe a table down after coffee, every time I wash a cup up, um, or Dean does it after Alpha, but uh, some other time, I'm not doing it because it's a job that needs to be done. I do it because I believe it in some way fulfills that purpose of impacting someone's life. I long for bigger, of course, but I don't mind doing smaller for the King of Kings. And the third thing we talked about is uh, people may feel those things because they have the wrong purpose. If you pursue money or fame or pleasure or anything like that, you may express that through action, but you will eventually hit the wall of discontent. Uh, I watched telly last night with Robbie Williams from Take That. I'm sure you will know him, or some of you will. Um, anyway, he's famous. He's got more money than sense. That guy is unhappy because he has pursued fame and fortune, and he's miserable. Even though he's got a family now, he still has a lingering sadness in his eyes because his purpose isn't to be famous. What is his purpose? Well, I'm sure some of you, in fact, put your hands up if you're familiar, if you've read the shorter Westminster Catechism. Good, just me and Tim then. Hallelujah. <laughs> the shorter Westminster Catechism is a, a, a way that the church sort of had a thing, is a, a form of a question and answer. And the idea is that people would memorize the question and the answer, and they'd be asked, so what's that so-and-so and so-and-so and then give the answer? It's a way of understanding something of the Christian faith uh, from many, many years ago. And the shorter Westminster Catechism, which is by far my favorite, the longer one is awful. The shorter one's far funnier. It's got lots more illustrations in it. Um, it's only got about 75,000 points rather than a squillion. But question one of the shorter Westminster Confession says this. Question, what is the chief end of man? To me, men and women, mankind. What is the chief end of man? The answer the chief, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So if you've come in this morning and not a Christian and you think you know what you're about, you don't. You know you need to change it. You probably know that much. Your God-given purpose is to glorify God by serving him and to enjoy him for eternity. What does that mean? 
just as we wrap up, it means that we should be framing those seemingly mundane actions in our eternal purpose. We should be seeing as Christians every action when done for the living God as having everlasting global potential. We need to be people who live by the words of Colossians 3, 17 and 21, where we read, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men. We need to see everything we do as serving the king. And that will transform everything. But more than that, some of us here need to be braver. We need to start stepping out from the shadows in faith to put into action that thing that's been stirring our heart for years. And I can guarantee you that some of you sitting here this morning have had things that have been laying on your heart for 10, 20, 30 years that God has been calling you to do. And you haven't done it because fear has been winning for far too long. Well, God is calling you, I believe, to take a brave step and honour that purpose through action. For some of you here, it may be a change of your situation, like a job. It may be changing what you do with your money to help somebody else, even in this place, or someone you know who's got a lot less in you. It may be going onto the mission field, or beginning a brand new project that's going to be sacrificial, or a new role, or giving up a day of week to volunteer somewhere, church, or somewhere else. God hasn't put that on your heart for it to lay dormant until the day you die. He's put it on your heart for you to explore prayerfully, passionately, and to be brave and take a step out in faith. Maybe you help excite, or you maybe it's helping with excite, should I say. Maybe it's stepping up and leading a connect group from time to time. Maybe it's doing a talk at Zone or Haley or helping um, an open door. Maybe it's serving with Mate Lunch or some other community initiative we do as a church. Perhaps it's further afield, like I say, those other things. The church is called to be the hope of the world. We're called to be the light of the world, the good news of this world. That is our purpose. Everything we do is off the back of that. We're not here to function like a religious version of the scouts. We're here to be the definitive version of the church. I wonder what your purpose is and does it get expressed? I wonder, do you find serving at church annoying because it interferes with what you think you're for? Serving the king is what you're for. Work that out in your life and let God be the judge of your diary and my diary. And let's get those two words together. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to lift up, Lord, these thoughts to you this morning. Father God, we thank you that you've given us a clear sense of purpose to glorify you and enjoy you forever. And Lord, I would love to spend a whole time looking at that one question, Father, because it is amazing to know that, Lord, you call us for those things. Father God, remind us of our purpose. Lord, for those here who genuinely feel lost, may they go back to the cross, the resurrection, the empty tomb, and know that their purpose is to be a witness for the King, filled with the Spirit, changing the lives of seven billion people. It isn't just to make up the numbers until the end, but, Lord, to make their number count. And Lord, for those who already um, know what they're for, Father God, may they be brave to put aside fear, not being given a spirit of fear, but Lord, to take on the boldness of your spirit, to step out, to make a change, make a difference. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.